You're listening to Alicast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group. Alibaba signed a three-year partnership with the world's largest cosmetics company, L'Oreal, to promote a circular economy in China's beauty industry. The deal was inked on April the 6th in Beijing on the sidelines of French President Emmanuel Macron's visit to China. In this episode of Alicast, we're talking with Janet Neo, L'Oreal's Chief Sustainability Officer for North Asia and China. Neo was formerly e-commerce platform Lazada's Head of Corporate Sustainability and Government Affairs. She also serves as a board director of Singapore's Temasek Foundation Ecosperity. Janet, thank you so much for joining us on Alicast. Thank you, Alison, for having me. It's great to be on the show. Janet, can you set the scene for us a little bit? Why is it important that the beauty industry should become more environmentally friendly in China? Tell us what's at stake here. For sure. China has a 87 billion beauty and personal care industry. And we're seeing that the beauty industry has deep penetration. Most of the categories penetration uh, across skincare, makeup, hair, beauty, they're over 70% or even higher up to 90% of this kind of access to the consumers and uh, especially to younger consumers as well. So as a category itself is already having a huge impact for sustainability among our consumers. And next, we know that for beauty and consumer products, one of the biggest uh, environmental challenge that we face is the plastic pollution. Although we are seeing in China, there are already lots of uh, recycling promotion at the government, local community level. Consumers want to participate in that. I think there's still much opportunity there for innovation and technology and recycling to be developed to really scale this impact and make it easy for consumers. So if we don't do anything about consumers' desire that what they want to take part in this sustainability movement and provide them with ways, and at the same time, what happens to all these plastics and empty bottles that disposed? If they go to the landfill, we get land pollution. If there are some of the products could be biodegradable plastics, so when they decompose, they compose in a, a certain environment, it breaks down into microplastics, and this could leak into the oceans and our rivers, and then there is water pollutions as well. So our ecosystem is all interconnected. So this issue right here is very urgent. I want to emphasize the urgency about it. Yeah, no, quite right. I mean, it does surprise me the scale of the beauty industry in China. So any changes, any improvements are at scale. So it's important. The stated goal of the partnership between Alibaba and L'Oreal is to create this circular economy within the beauty industry. Could you just tell us what that circular economy is going to look like here? So when we look at sustainability, oftentimes we look at the production line, right? The moment it goes out to manufacturing, the factories, it goes on a shelf, then okay, maybe it's the end of story. But when we're operating in a digital economy, then we start to think about there is an online, a digital infrastructure of the footprint 
right? From how the products is being advertised to the fulfillment, there's also the logistics chain, fulfillment chain that's within the e-commerce uh, operations as well. So in that regard, I think both Alibaba Group and also L'Oreal China, we have the same common goal about where, if we were to focus on our biggest impact, it would be the digital economy. So in these three years, we realized that Yes, we have done a lot of different innovative pilots over the years. But going forward, if we're thinking about 2030, how can we not just go at like fast speed? We need to go hyper speed. We need to do moonshots. So the first year now, we just launched our product information labeling system in China, the first in the beauty market. So this, we bring it together with Ali, which is our platform. This is the best way we can reach the maximum number of uh, consumers who are online every day for them to get to interact, for them to learn about the information that could be provided within a beauty product. For example, the carbon footprint. So through the platforms, what kind of technology features that could be added into the consumer experience from search to purchase and making it repeatable so that it becomes the day-to-day habit of the consumers. So all in all, the circularity that we see from the product selection to logistics, which is the hardware, and then the software and the hardware for consumers to connect emotionally with what it means to experience a sustainability shopping experience online. I'm excited to um, watch out for those moonshots that you were talking about earlier. But I think key is, is what you just said, the education and changing customer habits. Janet, it sounds like you're really leaning into the strengths of both partners in this endeavor. But I really want to know, how are you measuring success in this partnership? What doesn't get measured doesn't get accounted for, right? <laughs> so here in sustainability, for sure, is about transparency, traceability, and measurements. So we look at a few yardsticks. So first is uh, I shared products, consumers. So in the portfolio of offerings, we can calculate the number of SKUs that have been able to meet the eco beauty or low carbon friendly criteria. That's number one. So I think that links to methodology. If we don't have availability, there's no accessibility. And then the second one is the number of green shoppers who actually would pay, not just search, but go through the stage where they click purchase this refillable models or low carbon or sustainable packaging uh, products that we offer. And then it's also a measure for us that kind of guides us to know whether the way we are implementing consumer engagement campaigns, are they really resonating? And it gives us a channel to really connect with the shoppers And then the third one, it's really one of the things I think is a very tangible success that we already see since 2018 was our first sustainability cooperation with Alibaba Group, which is the green puzzles. The number of puzzles and the transactions, they are all accountable and it's all in the system. So that's the third matrix. And uh, finally, I want to go back to the notion that I shared earlier about the green GMV. So green GMV, we kind of term it as the same sales or the revenue generated by the sustainable or low-carbon products versus the normal sales. In a way, we can call it the growth rate. So we believe that this green GMV will outperform normal sales growth in the future. 
on the business sense angle, you did mention earlier about making the investment sustainable, but I wanted to just push you a little bit more on that. Could you explain further how this work is sustainable in the long run for L'Oreal in strictly financial and business terms? Sure. So sustainability is imperative to the long-term business growth in China. The balance between performance of financials, environment, and social, unless we get the right mix, is not sustainable. So like any innovations and new offerings, there has to be investments that go into the seeding and nurturing stage where solutions technology are being developed, also giving consumers like offering them the refillable models as part of the sustainable products portfolio. So one example that we're seeing already in the Chinese market, a clear success is Lancrom Absolute Cream for which it has already shown a strong increase in 2022 alone that the refill model, like the product, represents, as of 2022, a remarkable 39% of the total absolute. We really believe that sustainable product offering is the norm for the future. Janet, when I was um, looking at the history of this partnership, I found what you were referencing earlier with the packaging relationship that we were doing together. Can you talk me through the history? Does it date back further, this partnership? And how is it performing? Are we working well together? Our relationship doesn't just start with this three-year partnership that we have announced before 2018. With the digitalization development in China, Laurel and Alibaba are close friends since 2010. We set up our first online store on Tmall. If we were to say what was the first sustainability environmental-related partnership that we have done with Alibaba, it really started in 2018, where Laurel in China we were really advocating and also thinking, discussing with China, is it possible? What can we do to reduce all this, the volume in the plastics that are generated from, I mean, besides the product packaging, the parcel packaging. So after two years of experimentation, we really formally announced this Green Parcel Partnership in 2020. And in that year, we knew that, okay, after we got the mechanics right, and then the models and the materials right about green puzzles. We activated on the platform, actually, the first consumer engagement on the sustainability festival. And it was very much concentrated on uh, educating what is the concept of a green puzzle for Chinese consumers. And at the time, it was very interesting. So our team here, they, with our networks, with the universities and our partners, we launched a very big campaign in the schools where we engaged the students to come participate in a drawing. They call it the graffiti. And they could write messages about environment protection and messages to the consumers who will receive a green parcels. So after all this contest, the boxes were all at China. And in that month of the festival, in, when it was activated, consumers that bought any of our products online, they will receive these green puzzles with personalized and really sincere messages that were from the students and participants who want to take an action for the planet. So that was really the official kickoff of the partnership. We really do sort of have to think about what the consumers in China want when we think about the success of these partnerships. Tell me, you know, from your research, 
do they care about sustainability or are they just really price conscious? They care about sustainability for sure, because all these years since 2018, one of the metrics that we could clearly track in the first place was the number of green parcels that were delivered and received by the consumers. So in 2018, when we first launched, uh, the first year, because it was pilot, we didn't have a baseline. And then we started in 2019, after a year, we are actually shipped uh, 20 million green parcels. And then the number increased in the year on year. So the scale is pretty amazing. I mean, less of going to the moon, but it's really quite hyper growth. By the end of 2022, our total green parcel shipped out in the last few years was 149 million. Wow. <laughs> wow, right. So this is already a very clear sign that it is working. Customers, consumers want it, right? And then the second one was last year, we innovated in going beyond the green parcel to push in the developing the reverse logistics flow and then we introduced through our brand Maybelline and then to working together with Chaimiao to launch this circular packaging in Hangzhou. And this is the first time this circular parcel is being used for the consumers. And what is a circular parcel, you may ask? It's uh, a parcel box that could be returnable and used up to 40 times. So in that, we save 39 times of packaging materials. So... We tried that, and what we have found is that 75% of the consumers, they opt for this option. Now, being able to track this, we are in the next few versions of this circular parcel pilots, or not pilots anymore, with version 2 and 3, we will be able to map out the baseline of this circular map, and then uh, the returning habits as well. A final wrap-up question here. Drawing on your experiences, Janet, across industries, you know, you've worked with Temasek, you've been at the United Nations, Heineken and Lazada in Southeast Asia. What was the key takeaway that you would say on how e-commerce can help make retail greener? What's the key takeaway, would you say? Such an interesting question and it's also a point of reflection for me. When I joined Lazada, it was at the time 2020. COVID broke out. But what happened in Southeast Asia? Suddenly we saw the shift that everyone talks about that consumption is moving digital. It happened overnight. All of a sudden we're seeing that oh, how do we help sellers to get online? How do we help them to survive this crisis that they can continue the sales? At the same time, the stunning volume of packaging that was generated from this online shift was just beyond shocking. So that was the time when I joined Lazada because I felt that somebody, someone in the market has to take the lead. And who else better than the largest unicorn at the time and the market leader Lazada to do it. And in e-commerce, because it was still at a stage in Southeast Asia where the growth is so much at an early stage still. So there's a lot of investments that are pouring into, you know, having the businesses to prove that consumer demands are there. The GMV, the targets are so aggressive with all the discounts the happy customers are plenty. 
adding on to it is a 14-day free return. So it was really, really challenging for me as a working in sustainability for so long. I'm really thinking, oh, how can e-commerce be part of this solution? If we were just to say, ah, you know, parcels, maybe buy less. <laughs> buy less is good. But if we look at the overall economy at that time, if there was no online channels, how many people will not be able to survive and not even having a livelihood? So this was a lifeline for so many people. And we're talking about developing countries like Malaysia, Thailand, Philippines. It was tangible. So it's not so straightforward and a clear-cut answer. I learned one of the biggest things about e-commerce is that its biggest sustainability, materiality, and its playing field lies in its fulfillment infrastructure and its technology solutions to make shopping easy for consumers. But what is this lever? Because when you look at e-commerce, they are in between brands and the consumers. So they own nothing upstream and they own nothing downstream either. So what do they really impact? So the lever right there, in terms of what e-commerce can really go about doing to be greener or more sustainable, they need the brands, they need their customers who are the brands to achieve the impact with skill, to really activate on this sustainability transformation and the size and the reach of consumers that the portfolio of their valued brands can reach. So that's one part. The other thing that I learned also is that in the last mile delivery, because this was the, like a low-hanging fruit, and that was also when I met Laurel, who had already decades of experience in their own sustainability journey, and very clearly, the team behind L'Oreal, from their supply chain to their marketing to their e-commerce, they understood what was needed as a market leader to pilot new sustainability solution. So two things that happened. We were able to pull together both internal teams and backed by L'Oreal as the first customer. So in the span of less than nine months, we rolled out the first sustainable e-commerce packaging solution in not just one or two, but four out of six markets in Vietnam, Singapore, Thailand, and Malaysia in less than nine months. So with this first business case, that we were not just able to measure the parcels, we were able to measure the amount of plastics that were removed or reduced from this action. When we talk to consumers, talk to the different stakeholders about e-commerce going green, the first thing that most commonly raised solution is, hey, give us an echo labor. Help us to know which are the green products. Help us. Give us a labor. But at the same time, we know that the key to a trusted echo labor is in the criteria design, the selection, and the selection by who? Subject matter experts in sustainability and who endorsed it, who audited it, who gave it the validation that is trustable. It is not the strength of e-commerce platforms, right? So an e-commerce platform like Alibaba, Lazada, they have so many categories of products, so they couldn't just have a standard that could apply to all kinds of product categories. Janet, I want to say thank you so much for your insights. I've really, really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Alison, for having me. It's my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for joining Alicast. 
For more tips from entrepreneurs and brands on successfully navigating the world's second largest economy, subscribe to the Alicast series on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you choose to listen.